Hello, and welcome to today's episode with Samantha Skelly. Sam Skelly is a seven-figure entrepreneur, international speaker, world-around emotional eating expert, and best-selling author of the new book, Hungry for Happiness. Hungry for Happiness is also the name of the movement Sam started that helps people experience transformation and freedom from emotional eating through trained certified coaches who utilize emotional and energetic coaching techniques. Sam is also the founder of Pause Breathwork, which has a mission to unite humanity by helping people breathe, feel, and thrive. Sam has revolutionized the weight loss and self-help industries by examining the individual and underlying causes of food, body, and self-love issues. Along with all these things, Sam is just a dynamite of a personality. She lights up a room, she has amazing energy, and she's a friend and someone who I've admired for five years. We dive into her wild journey, her lessons learned, her philosophy on transformation and living, and so much more. So without further ado, today's episode with Sam Skelly. Have you heard about the reason why I'm six breaths as opposed to like five or four? Because um, it's the coherence with the heart. Whoa. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. I oh, was, really? Well, so what I heard um, is that it takes six to like fully calm your nervous system. But six, is, wait, say that one more so, time. So six breaths is the pace of the heart frequency. Wow. And it's six seconds as well. So one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. So, so six breaths six seconds in, six seconds out, then you're you're vibrating to the frequency of of your heart space. It like opens up your heart. Wow. Where did you learn that? Um, through one of my mentors, Dan Brule. Dan Brule. And mm-hmm. is he a breathwork teacher? Yep. He's one of the masters. Okay, cool. Because um, I have so many questions about breathwork specifically oh, to ask you. We're going to get into um, it. But where I wanted to start this interview yeah. is, I think I met you, it was about like five years ago at a dinner at Cafe Gratitude. Yeah. And you know how it's interesting, like sometimes in life you just remember some, like a weird sentence or two from someone. Yeah. And I don't know, it, well, like now looking at my journey and how profound something you said was, and I wasn't ready, I, I wasn't like fully understanding what you said, but I remember asking about the work you were doing um, healing women and all people really from emotional eating. Mm-hmm. I remember asking this question, like, oh, so when you feel that desire to go like eat chocolate or something, should you just like, do 10 pushups or like get it out that way. And you're like, no, you just want to sit in your body and be present with that mm-hmm. discomfort. And I remember thinking, huh, that's so interesting. And like now where I'm at in my journey of learning how to like sit with pain, it mm-hmm. it makes so much sense. But I would love for you to share mm-hmm. why you said that and like what that means to you. That's so funny. I remember that moment. I don't really? remember. I don't remember saying that. Uh-huh. But I remember that dinner and I remember sitting across from you thinking to myself, this guy's going places. <laughs> I remember that. I'm like, you have so much fire. It's so cool. So pain is an interesting teacher. It's the greatest teacher that we have. But we've been conditioned to think that we need to get away from it, overperform to get away from it. So if we feel that that feeling of pain, let me overperform. Let me do some push-ups. Let me overwork. Let me overcompensate, right? Just doing everything uh, to the excess. Mm -hmm. And what that essentially is, is our low tolerance, our low capacity for feeling that sensation. And all emotionality is, is sensation. Contractions, expansions, um, queasiness, lightness, 
it all just is what it is. There's like an isness to it. Mm. And what makes it debilitating is the stories that we attach to it, why we shouldn't feel it. So the suffering happens when we think that it should not be there. So if mm. I'm feeling anxious and I feel that like guttural queasiness in my body and my mind is like, no, 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 no. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel this. Let's get it away. I am at war with what is. I'm in, de in denial of what is. Mm -hmm. And that's what creates the suffering. But if I feel that anxiety and I just sit with it and I allow myself to really feel it, feel into the con contraction, feel into the pain, what happens is we actually liberate it because we're with it, not against it. Mm -hmm. And so at any, any, any time that we're against something in our body, whether we're fighting our thoughts, whether we're fighting our anxiety or our stress or our doubt or our um, unworthiness, we become at war with that very thing. So then we create these mini traumas and these mini wars within ourselves. And that compounded over our entire life can be a, a miserable experience. Mm -hmm. So when we're just sitting with the pain, we can feel it so that we can heal it. And that's the path of liberation and transformation. <sighs> And yeah. to go a little bit deeper on that, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people here, like at least at, at some level, we have to have an embodied experience of something, mm -hmm. I think, to fully understand it. But when you hear sit with the pain. So, for mm -hmm. example, if someone's like whether they have something like they're being triggered, they want to go for food or yeah. they're going through like a breakup and you're, you're telling that person sit with the pain. Like maybe you could like walk mm -hmm. through like, OK, what does that actually mean? Do I like focus on my stomach or like? Yeah. This is such a good question. So there's two ways ways of being with pain. There's observation and there's identification. So observation is when we allow ourselves to be liberated by it because we are not sinking into the pain and consuming ourselves with it. Hmm. What tends to happen is we identify so much with the pain that we become the frequency of the pain. So if we're feeling anxiety or we're feeling heartbreak or we're feeling depression or we're feeling suicidal, we shrink our entire beingness into the vibration of that existence and we can't see anything else. We can't have access to any other vibration or any other way of being, even though there's so many other vibrations and streams of consciousness that we can tap into. So that's what most people do is they identify with it. They become it. The path of observation is understanding that we have this sensation in our body, but viewing it from our higher self or viewing it from our heart or viewing it from awareness, if that word makes sense to you, just, just creating spaciousness from the pain. It's not a denial. It's not a running away from. It's a I am with you, but I'm not in you. Mm. So then there's two frequencies happening at the same time. And the beautiful thing is, is our higher self is our true nature. So we are going to allow ourselves to be more in that frequency. And what that does is it allows the pain to begin to break down, to dissipate while understanding why is this pain here, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason for the pain in our body. There's a reason for the heartbreak. There's a reason whether no matter what happens, there's there's a, a lesson and a, and a teacher within that sensation. So when we observe it from our heart, when we observe it from our higher self, we can begin to understand why it's there. And, and maybe not right away, but absolutely later. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I was reading your book, Hungry for Happiness. <laughs> and I love this line you talk because you're so real. Like, 
it's like a book that is, you know, in helping improve people's lives. But it's like, you're just like real about it. It's not mm. this like woo woo. You're like, look, following your intuition doesn't mean it's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Like, yeah. I think you quite literally <laughs> said that. But, you, but you're saying, but mm. when you do do that and you sit with yourself, it will take you to the places to learn the lessons you need mm. to have the strength that you can process and handle life and not just survive, mm. but thrive. So I really like that, how yeah. you how you worded that because it's not all butterflies and rainbows. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like this um, spiritual elitism that tends to happen in the spiritual communities, you know, of like, I'm enlightened and everything's great. It's like, no, not really. Like that's not the, that's not the goal, mm. right? That's not the goal. That's that, that brings us into the denial of the truth. And the truth is that life is lifey and there's ups and there's downs and there's growth and there's expansion and contraction and everything all at once, mm -hmm. right? All at once. And so when we can just acknowledge that the path of following our heart, following our alignment is not the path of least resistance. It's the path of truth that brings resistance so that we can evolve more. And the, the, the truth is, is not everyone is up for that game. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of bravery. It, it takes coming face-to-face uh, -face with the things that you've been at war with for years. It, it takes a lot of patience with yourself. It takes so much self-compassion. Most people don't have a lick of self-compassion. So how could you possibly go on this really challenging journey of transformation? Most people just go, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm going to Netflix and chill, right? So mm -hmm. it definitely takes a, a lot of bravery and a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, like looking at you, if people didn't know anything about you and just from the looks, like. I would have never guessed that you mm. struggled with emotional eating mm. and had this like war um, mm -hmm. that you were always at with yourself. Can you talk about what was the first time you remember mm. realizing, oh, I need to look or be a certain way? Mm. Like what was the start of that journey into mm. that self-sabotage? So being a dancer, there's just a constant pressure on your body and being an actress, there's just constant pressure on being a certain way. I didn't know you, by the way, I didn't know you were a dancer until I read really? your book. I was like, what? Both my sisters grew up dancing. So, really? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because you're such a performer, you know? <laughs> so animated. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> so you um, dance all growing up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From the ages of four all the way up until mm, 21, 22. Um, and so being a competitive dancer and training, like you probably saw your sisters do that, right? It's like hardcore. Mm -hmm. So wearing a bodysuit, always being in front of a mirror, always competing against other people for titles and things like that. There's just a lot of pressure. I loved it, but there was a lot of pressure. And so I... I didn't struggle with food until I stopped dancing, ironically. So I always had body image issues from the ages of like 12. I can remember being in the bathtub at 12 years old and just being like, I hate my body so much. At 12 years old, it was crazy. And I wasn't overweight. I was just a normal sized kid. But just body dysmorphia got me at a young age. And I just felt super like uncomfortable in my body. Mm -hmm. And so after I stopped dancing, I that's when the emotional eating started because I I created all these stories of like, well, if I'm not dancing, then I'm going to get fat. And that was like a constant worry. So then that's when the dieting started. Mm -hmm. So I started my first diet, which was the cabbage soup diet where you just eat. Have you heard of that? No. It sounds miserable. <laughs> it's awful. Well, how old were you? Uh, I was 18. Wow. Yeah, 17, 18. And I just ate cabbage soup for weeks and weeks and weeks on end hoping that I would just begin to lose weight. And I was, I was again, terrified of, of gaining weight. So I went from the cabbage soup diet to like 
the lemon juice and cayenne pepper thing. And anyways, I went on all of these different diets and I ended up in the hospital because I was malnourished. Mm. And was that in London? That was in Australia. Or Australia. Gotcha. Australia. Yeah. yeah. So I, I ended up being in the hospital and I created this whole story to my family of I'm like, I'm just trying to save money. Um, I'm fine. And, and no one really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. My mom was like worried sick. She's like, what the heck's happening? One thing I wanted to question you about this because you share this in your book too. And I find this so fascinating. You knew deep down what was going on. But at the same time, like hindsight's 2020, you weren't able to like, you knew what was going on, but at the same time, you you didn't know. Like you weren't able to see it. Is that correct? Yeah. So I grew up in a very Christian home. Hmm. Um, My parents are both super into personal development. My dad would play Tony Robbins tapes at like 12 years old. And so I like I like was marinated in personal development from a very young age. So it's interesting. Like I knew better, but I couldn't stop it. And so it's like there was this, there was two parts of me. There was this part of me that knew better, who did all the personal development, who did all the work, who like, you know, was was self-compassionate that was still there. But then there was this other part of me that was winning, that was self-deprecating and hating myself and hating my body and trying to look a certain way to receive love. And at the end of the day, it came back. It came down to, I just want to be loved and I just want to be accepted. And I didn't know at the time how to really love and accept myself. I knew I knew how, but I wasn't doing it because I was too concerned about um, the way that I looked. Mm-hmm. It was just all consuming. But yeah, it was interesting because it was I, I felt like I was two people living in one. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And what was your breakdown to breakthrough moment where you had um, enough, you were at such a low place with yourself and mm. the way you were approaching eating in your body that you realized like something has to shift. I was in London and miles away from home, Vancouver. And I remember uh, days where I would wake up in the morning and the first thought on my mind was, I can't wait to go to bed tonight. And not because I wanted to kill myself, but because I couldn't handle the thoughts in my mind. It was just so intense. Like every single day was like a battle and a fight of like trying to uh, just stuff down all of the thoughts. And it was just it was just so intense. Like mm-hmm. the the emotional experience and the chaos in my body was so intense that it felt exhausting to be with it. So sleeping was just like easier. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I just like I'll just sleep. And and looking back on it, it was probably I was probably going through like bouts of depression but didn't really know it. And I I just felt like, I I remember like bawling my eyes out one day and just like praying, uh, which was weird because that was at a time in my life where I like didn't really pray. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up very Christian and then I kind of went atheist and just like was like nothing exists outside of me. Like I got to do this on my own, right? Mm -hmm. And then now uh, less religious, but more spiritual, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was an interesting journey. But I remember lying on my bed when I like didn't believe in God and I was like, God help me. (laughs) The irony. Um, And the, the next day I actually ended up getting deported from England. So it was like, yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know if I put that in the book. I I overstayed my visa. Mm. Um, So I was like living there illegally. (laughs) 
And I, well, I, I overstayed my visa and I applied for what's called a de facto visa, which is an unmarried partner's visa. And at the time I was dating someone who lived in Britain. Mm-hmm. We had broken up at this time, but he still agreed to go through with this visa. But anyways, it ended up getting denied because they found out that we were broken up. Fair yeah. enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the next day um, I got a letter saying like, you're, uh, you're being deported. You got to go back to Canada. And I was like, okay, I guess that's the answer to my prayer. Wow. So I went back home and I remember being on the airplane and the thought on on the airplane was I'm leaving all of this struggle back in England. Like I'm not taking this back with me. Like I am going to start healing myself and getting help. And so I got back to Vancouver and I literally Googled life coach Vancouver. And the first person that came up is still a mentor to this day, Ray Williams, who's just like, the most amazing man. And I remember going down to his office and saying to him, I think I'm broken. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I need your help. And he worked with me every single week until I started healing. Wow. And um, yeah, it was a crazy journey, but that was the moment in, in England of like, my life is crazy. I don't know how to get out of this. I've dug myself so deep in a hole with this. Like I need help. I I need help. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of the universe's way of helping. And it's a, it's amazing that you had the strength to ask for help. I Mm. think that's such an important message Mm. is like you realized you needed help and you asked for it. Yeah. And now it's like, imagine if you didn't ask for it, like you've helped over 20,000 people with eating, Mm. like all the things you're doing, which might not ever have happened if you didn't have the, um, willingness to be like i'm not okay and i'm looking for support yeah you know it's that's an interesting one that i definitely struggle with even today Mm -hmm. um so the amount of courage that i needed in that moment was like huge to be able to go through that because i i I notice and it's something that i work on now of like asking for help Mm -hmm. you know like even in business yeah where i know like a lot of my friends have done where the things that i'm doing but i'm like i'm not gonna bother them I'm just Mm going to do it myself. I'm going to figure it out, right? It's that like champion mindset of like, I'm going to get through this on my own. Yeah. And the fact is, is like, we all are here to co-nourish each other Mm. and be in connection and grow through connection and collaboration. And so for those people listening, like really allow yourself to receive support because it is the greatest catalyst for healing. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's a fine line, like, which is why it's a dance because on one level, you're like self-empowered and it is important to have the ability to Mm. figure things out. But at the same time, there's a time and a place for that. And also like people want to help you. I know. Like I always find this too. And I'm not like, I think I I do a decent job of like asking for help. But when I do from like, they want to help me. Yeah. If you come from that genuine place, like people will help you. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. I, and it's funny because I love when people ask me for help. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) like I love it. So I'm like, come on, Sam, you can do this. Yeah. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Um, and so what, what did Ray Mm. teach you that a allowed you to like literally transform Mm. and change? And then I guess after that would be what, when did you start helping other, um, women specifically Mm. with, um, healing their bodies and emotional eating? His big thing with me was compassion. And it's something that is so uh, just ingrained in me of like being so compassionate towards myself and the more compassion I can have for myself, the just easier it is to have compassion for other people. And being compassionate to others is such a ninja skill. 
like truly compassionate. You know, I was telling you earlier before we press record that I moved into this new house and my neighbor is like nuts. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like I, I can only imagine the internal war that she's going through right now to be able to be like that rude, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like there was a part of me that's like, oh, screw this woman. But then the other part was like, wow, like I, I, I hear you and I know there's a hurting inner child in there. Mm. And we all, there's no such thing as adults. We're all just grown up children. And we all are just walking around with these like wounded parts that need love, right? That oh, need love. So and the more that we can acknowledge the wounded ruptures within our own system and really be present to them, the more we can acknowledge the wounded ruptures in other people and be present for them. Because mm. that's one of the greatest skills that we can develop is just loving presence, agendaless presence with people's pain, you know? Mm. Like, I, I don't want to fix you, but I just want to be here and I just want to listen and I just want to hear you. Why this this actually clicks so much is because when the first question I asked you, mm -hmm. it was actually all about resistance. I was like, why do you need to just sit there? And the definition of, of compassion is to be with someone in their suffering. Mm -hmm. So by you being with yourself, you're being with your pain, which yeah. is allowing it to transmute, which is, you know, the emotions are driving the eating. Yeah. So that was cool. <laughs> that just came full, full circle. circle. Yeah. And and the when I feel those contractions in my system, I just sit with it and I'm like, I love you so much. What do you need from me? Like I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I'm listening. And that was one of the greatest things that Ray taught me of like every arising of anxiety is an opportunity to love deeper. Yeah. I love that question. What does your body need from me? Because yeah. um, I've been kind of like going pretty hard lately and um, mm. just with my health too, it's like a journey. And I woke up like not feeling 100 today mm -hmm. and like I'm single. The COVID world for dating is not <laughs> like 100%. Yeah, I, heard it's, but, I heard it's a little crazy out there. Yeah, it's a, the wild west out here, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but I was supposed to go on a, a date with this girl tonight and I like I like was like, oh, I'm going to push through. And I'm like, but I literally asked that question, what do, what do I need right now? And then I text her, I'm like, not feeling good tonight. We'll rain check. And I felt my whole body just go, oh, I'm going to just have a chill night tonight. Yeah. I'm going to read and just like, you know, kick back. But it's yeah. funny because before asking that question, like, what do you actually need? My mind is like, oh, well, I got to do this because I want to do this. And mm. it's like, no, what do you actually need? Mm -hmm. what, what's the what's the thing that's going to give me that response of like a. <sighs> yeah, what's going to be the catalyst of the exhale? What's going to give me an exhale? Mm -hmm. What are my exhaling activities that I can do? Oh, I like that. It's like a good, what's going to give me that exhale? Mm. That's like a good uh, mantra to roll with. Let's be, um, we're kind of chronically in our sympathetic most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why breathwork is such a powerful modality because it, it puts us into the, the parasympathetic, that like <sighs> feeling. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we can consciously create those exhale moments, the more that we can just breathe and breath is life. <sighs> Amen. Mm. And what was that? Because like you look like when someone looks at you now, it's like you, you've got this successful business, you're doing mm. all the things like you've got the book. But mm. I'm always curious, like, what was your what did it look like when you just started getting into coaching? Like, what was mm. that shift from I'm going to help people with this issue that I went through? Mm. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, it's like, when I first started, I felt the contrast so much in my system when I started my healing journey of, wow, two years ago, I was riddled with anxiety, 
feeling depressed, feeling like there was no light at the end of the tunnel, feeling, wondering if I would ever find myself again. Because mm. I've always been like joyful and happy and like the life of the party and like the one cracking jokes and p doing pranks, right? Mm -hmm. But then 18 to 23, it's like I was like dead, <laughs> like energetically, wow. like it was interesting. Yeah. It was an interesting time. And obviously not the entire four years. There was like ups and downs for sure. But I didn't feel myself. And when I was being happy, I felt like I was putting it on versus it just like, you know, coming through. Mm -hmm. And so I could feel when I first started coaching this contrast between those moments and those days and where I was when I first started, which I'm like, wow, I feel like a completely different person. I feel like I have my life back. I feel like I have a twinkle in my eye again. I feel like I'm looking at the world with like expansion and lightness and ease. I feel like there's possibility and hope and all of that. And so I just, I'm like, man, if I can create this contrast for like 10 people and teach them how I did it, that'd be so awesome. Mm. And I never, I never actually wanted to be an entrepreneur. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to be, so let me reframe that. I, I, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur in the way that I'm doing it now. I wanted to be a real estate agent or I wanted to get into like doing something like, so like kind of like more like solopreneurial. Like I okay, did not think that I would have a business with 36 employees and all of, and thousands of clients. I did not think I was going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be like a really amazing real estate agent because that's what my mom did. Right. Wow. And, and, or, or I don't know, working something just like where it's me against me. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just doing my own thing. And real estate made sense for me at the time. But um, I actually had a crush on a boy and he was in business. How all great business ventures begin. <laughs> Literally, okay, here's a hilarious, I haven't even, I haven't shared this story with many people, but I <laughs> can't believe I'm telling you this. I had like a, a like massive crush on this guy and he was in business. And so I was like, well, maybe if I like start a business, then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna like date him. And here's a friggin' hilarious thing. He now works for the company. No <laughs> way. Uh, and we're like super, we're like super good friends now. But isn't so that how funny hilarious? How the world works. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. It was like I was dying of laughter when when we hired him. I'm like, this that's, is so funny. It's funny how things come full circle. And what was the business that you wanted to start, or like what was the business that you started because of that? Um, a company called Liftify, uh -huh. which I actually did with Mike Sherbakov. No way. Yeah. Um, so it's we we basically took. Um, personal trainers and transform them into online online trainers. Oh, wow. So we help them with that process. Oh, you guys were early because that, that's like I see that online all the time. Yeah, now. if we if we like really dialed that in, we could have we could have. Yeah, it would have been early in the market for totally, that space. Yeah. Totally, we could have really done something with it, but mm -hmm. we 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 fumbled it. It mm -hmm. was a fumble. Yeah, <laughs> and then the next, hey, <laughs> but it all has happened perfectly. Exactly. Then you wouldn't be doing what you're totally. doing now. Totally. So hungry for happiness was the second business. And then pause is the third. Mm -hmm. yeah. And just like real briefly, because I want to move into breath work because I'm just so fascinated by it and you're, you know, so much about it. So from the hungry for happiness standpoint, like what, how did that start? Mm. I started just going back to like that vision of like, I just want to help 10 people. So I started doing pro bono coaching. I just started asking my friends, hey, do you struggle with this? Cool. Like I can help you. Here's what I did. Do, 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 do. And people started getting results, like mm -hmm. really good results. And I'm like, wow, I think I, I think I know what I'm doing here. So then those those 10 one-to-one -one clients turned into 10 paid clients. Those 10 paid clients turned into 
monthly group programs. Those monthly group programs turned into retreats. Those retreats turned into a certification program. A certification program turned into like really growing and scaling and creating this network of coaches all around the world. We've now certified hundreds and hundreds of coaches in our in our uh, formula, which is called the Phoenix formula. So it's it just grew and grew and grew. And then I just took the model that I did at Hungry for Happiness and did it the same thing on pause. Mm. So we now certify people to become breathwork facilitators. And that's been a dream. Yeah. I love to like looking at that progression because that to me seems like the progression in the online coaching space. Yeah. It's like you start some free, just like get a proof of concept then you like charge yeah. a few then. Um, but it's always like, I love hearing that from you because it's easy to just look at where you are right now yeah. and be like, nope, that's how you started. Mm -hmm. How can I help 10 people mm -hmm. and doing it, some of them for free at first, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you just got to start somewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So breath work, <laughs> how we started this interview. Um, what was your first mm. experience with breath, breath work like? Mm. Oh my goodness. So part of my healing journey I was reading that book, Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. Classic. Classic. And she talked about how she went to Bali and she found this medicine man and he did like the acupuncture, like poking her with sticks thing mm -hmm. and gave her some insights. And I'm like, I think that's what I need. Mm -hmm. So my first trip to Bali was, I don't know, this was actually my second trip to Bali. I was 20, 22 or something. Anyway, I went to Bali and I found this medicine man and he poked me with sticks and he was like, your brain's broken. That's literally what he said. <laughs> he said, you think too much. He said, you need to meditate. And at the time I couldn't meditate. I would sit there for hours and hours. I'm like, oh my God, this is so painful. I hate this so much. And and so I'm like, okay, maybe meditation is different in Bali. Let me go try it. So I went to this place called the Yoga Barn and I went to go take a meditation class as he suggested and I missed it. And the next class was a breathwork class. Hmm. And so, so crazy. So I look and I'm like, breathwork. I'm like, what is that? And the first thought was like, I know how to breathe. It's just like, <laughs> you know, like what's going on here? So I ended up, I, I looked at the, at the um, community board and it was three hours. I'm like, what is happening? That is a long breathwork class. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, all right, well, divine intervention. I'm here for a reason. So I'm going to go take this class. So I sign up for the class. I pay. I walk up the stairs. There's like 30 people in the class, and they're all lying down with blankets and pillows. And then there's this guy who's dressed all in white, and he looks like Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Like, is this a massive orgy? Is this a cult or <laughs> yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What's going on? <laughs> So this guy comes up to me, this Jesus man, and he says, he goes, are you ready to go on the ride of your life? I'm like, oh, no, I'm so scared. He's going to give you some pills. To take <laughs> yeah, or something. exactly. He's like, just uh, drink this acid and <laughs> yeah. you'll be ready. Um, he'll be healed. So I lie down and I start doing this breath pattern. And within moments, I feel this like extreme activation in my body, this aliveness that I hadn't felt in so long. Like this was at a time in my life where I felt I toggled between anxiety and numbness, anxiety and numbness. And I really didn't feel much of anything else. Mm -hmm. And so within three minutes of doing this breath, my whole body was just active. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I feel incredible. My body was activated. My heart was opening. My mind was clearing. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. And when you're in that deeply immersed space, you go into an altered state of consciousness. So you really lose track of time and space. Mm -hmm. And so that three hours 
felt like 15 minutes. Interesting. And in that experience, I felt joy and like like euphoria and bliss and happiness and fulfillment and contentment and everything. And then I felt like rage and sadness and grief. And I was like purging all of this stuff in my body. I, I felt like the entire spectrum of emotionality that is possible for humanity in that session. Mm-hmm. And so I woke up from that and I was like, what just happened? Like that is amazing. Like, how is this possible? What's going on? And so I, I I asked him, I said, why does not everyone know how to do this? Like, this is insane. Like, mm-hmm. we all were born with the ability to regulate our nervous systems to feel this good just with our breath, mm-hmm. but no one does it. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, maybe you're the one to tell them. And I, that was like, yeah, that was like wow. 10, 10 years ago or nine years ago. And when he said that, did you, did something like oh, click in your body? No, over my, went over my head. Really? Yeah. Interesting. But I remember it. Okay. I remember it, but it. I wasn't like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I should probably go tell her. Like, I did not think, I, I did not think that I was going to create a business until two years ago. Yeah. Like this, like pause is new. I've been doing breath work forever and I've taken every certification on the market and I've been studying it for years, for nearly 10 years now, but I did not think that I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I started doing breath work every single day, re- religiously 20 minutes. And when you say breath work, yeah, I'd love to get into this yeah. because there's so many types, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I love your story. The first time I did breath work, I was on an island, a spiritual community on an island in Nicaragua and like did basically a, a quantum light breath. They called yeah. it. it was holotropic. And like, I got gnarly tetany, yeah. which is basically when your muscles cramp up. Yeah. And I was dripping sweat and like had the most profound experience too. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> um, and I remember journaling. I had yeah. all this like stuff come up. Um, mm. But so so I'm like laughing. I was in Nicaragua. You were in Bali. Like a very so sick, funny. And this like shaman dude, same thing. Yeah. Um, but like we hear breath work. And I think that's such an all encompassing, like what it does mean, like yeah. a four eight, like what type of breath work yeah. are you talking? So I've created my own technique mm-hmm. based on all of the different bodies of work that I've learned from. So Tumo and Holotropic and Rebirthing and all of them. And I basically created my own way of doing it mm-hmm. based on the outcome that people want. Mm. And so I've tested it with like nearly 30,000 people now, which is crazy. Wow. And the... So let me explain from like my my thought on 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 doing this. So there's there's two types of breath work. There's um, breath work for relaxation, and there's breath work for transformation. So I also call those integrative breath work and meditative breath work. Mm-hmm. So integrative breath work for relaxation is breath work that we can do while we're in our conscious state. So what we did before the podcast, taking a few deep breaths. Um, you know, three minutes of lying down, doing breath, doing like breathing as we're doing the dishes or going for a walk or whatever. This Mm -hmm. morning, Eric and I walked to the beach and we did um, the pulse breath. So (sighs) as we're walking, so just Mm -hmm. like activating the breath as we're walking. So that would be an example of integrative breath work. Mm -hmm. We're not spinning out into the ethers. We're not seeing our past lives. (laughs) We're not, uh, we're not sweating and cramping. Mm -hmm. Then there's breath work for real transformation meditative breath work similar Mm -hmm. to your experience transcendent yes and similar to my experience in bali where we are lying down in a safe environment preferably with a facilitator for 15 minutes or more 
and moving through a very intense breathwork pattern. So one of the most the most intense breathwork pattern in the pause technique is called the triactive breath. So it's in through the belly, up into the chest, and out through the mouth. Like <sighs> so when you're flowing through that for 15 minutes or more, your mind begins to unhook from reality and you lose track of time, space, protectors, fears, doubts, your personality, your ego, your avatar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're, you're really in an embodied experience, which is completely different. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love that is because there's so much going on like the Wait, it's like belly, chest. <sighs> so just through the mouth. Oh, mouth. <sighs> there it is. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. I have to be so present to focus on the breath mm -hmm. and my mind's not thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch there and like go. what I'm going to do next Tuesday. Yeah, it's exactly. like I'm, I'm there. Mm -hmm. And that's why mm -hmm. I love why you, and you also said this too, which I like resonate. You're like, I'm, I think I heard it on a, another podcast. You're like, I'm not really one to have like depressive tendencies, but more like anxious tendencies, yes. which I r relate yeah. a lot to. Yeah. Um, and like doing breath, like meditation is amazing. And like this, like, I love what you talk about. This is how breath work is a great, like precursor to meditation mm -hmm. to like calm that monkey mind and like get into your body before, so you can be in stillness. Here's, here's why breath work is so much more powerful than meditation, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So we have in our body three pillars of connection. We have our structured mind, our like logical mind, we have our emotionality, so all of our sensations, all of our contractions, everything, and then we have our intuition. At any point in time, right now, in this moment, all three things are speaking to you, hmm. your mind, your emotions, and your intuition. Now, if we're too identified with our mind or too identified with our emotions, we're not going to have access to our intuition. So knowing that all three parts of us are speaking to us simultaneously and the majority of people are way more identified with our structured mind than anything else. When we sit in meditation, we are sitting in meditation from the viewpoint and the lens of the structured mind. So the mind is going, I got to think about not thinking. What am I going <laughs> to have for lunch? Should I go surfing today? What about this? Man, I'm kind of cold. I'm kind of hot. I'm kind of, right? So mm -hmm. the mind is going. Meditation is a beautiful thing to practice if you have a lot of time and patience, which most of us don't, <laughs> including myself. <laughs> so what breath work does is it bypasses that initial pillar, that structured mind pillar, without us thinking about not thinking. Mm -hmm. The body does it for us. Freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. So it bypasses the, the, the structured mind. It shifts the emotionality in the system so we don't have to think about our anxiety going away. We breathe into it and the body begins to release the microtraumas in our system that cre are creating the anxiety. And then we, we drop into our intuition. And that's the place we all want to be. Mm -hmm. So breath work or sorry, meditation without breath work just is challenging. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look on the pause breath work site, it says, if you've ever said I can't meditate, breath works for you. Yeah. <laughs> Because that, that's who we market to. Because mm -hmm. I know that if someone has like the monkey mind and the busyness and you try and meditate, it's going to be challenging. And then people are going to give up and they're not going to do it. Yeah. You get the same benefits, breathwork and meditation. Breathwork is just faster. It is like meditation on steroids and it's easier. And there's, there's a, a doing aspect to it to, to drop us into the beingness. So... <sighs> There's a doingness. Our mind is occupied with the doing. Mm -hmm. And and through that, 
we drop into the beingness. And then we can sustain our, our meditative practice. Like if we do five minutes of breath work and then drop into meditation, mm-hmm. you can stay there all day long. Yeah. Okay. Something totally clicked for me when you said that about the intuition piece and why breath work. So like mm-hmm. I can speak to this in my experience. Um, I meditate every day and like I don't like I don't think I've ever had a meditation like sober where I'm like, wow, I'm just transcendent. Like I have yeah. I feel good yeah. in my body. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like feeling immense gratitude in my heart, but I'm not like whereas breath work and, and the reason I meditate is for clarity, like mm-hmm. connection to self and source from my, my heart. Like that's why I do it. Mm-hmm. But every time I'm doing breath work, like and typically when I when I say breath work, I'm referring to like an hour or so class. Um, mm-hmm. you know, different styles. Like I I sat with Reese. Do you know Reese Peluso? No. Okay, you guys will have to click. He has our breath collective. I actually interviewed him on the show like yeah. a year and a half ago, but I was at his class like a week ago and did this breath work thing, felt like all the things you're saying. I felt tingling, like my body activated, and then immense peace after. Mm. And then that night I had I actually called Taylor, my former business partner. We had a clearing conversation. Oh, um, I called a friend who I had like kind of a something came up and it didn't sit right. And basically, like two really uncomfortable conversations immediately. Why? Because the breath work like pulled all this up. It's like, dude, you're not being in integrity with yourself. Yes. Like, and I was like, yeah. what the heck? This breath work literally was the catalyst for me to. And then I went to bed that night mm. feeling light as a feather. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I so love that totally that. clicked. It really is an intuitive, like you want to get connected to your intuition. Breathe. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like we are our own drug. Mm -hmm. We are our own medicine, but we've outsourced it to so many different things. And we're trying to medicate ourselves through so many different things. Mm -hmm. And when we realize that it comes back to the breath, which is so simple. And it's, it's like it's so simple that people like dismiss it. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm, really going to be that good? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, it's so it's so intense and so amazing. That's what's almost ironic about this whole, you know, I mean, in the world that we're mm. in, it's like breathwork seems to be like the new big thing. Yeah. Um, although it's been around, you know, sure. yeah. you know forever. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it, you're right. It is so simple, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. Like exactly. you have to be present and like do the work mm-hmm. still. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. And can you briefly explain for anyone wondering like what is this, what is actually happening in your body from a biological standpoint? Yeah. Like, do, you, do you know what's happening here? Yeah. So what we're doing is we are ri- we are overriding the sympathetic nervous system. So we're driving it to uh, its edge essentially so that we can have more access to our parasympathetic We are also shifting the pH levels in the blood. So we're shifting the biochemistry in our body by bringing in more breath. Hmm, Which is oxygen, essentially, Mm -hmm, that's doing that. mm -hmm. And so when we shift the balance, it shifts our perspective. It shifts our, our perception. And so with that, what's happening in our body is we have these, um, the, the body essentially holds memory. From, from past lives, this life, everything. There's like memory in our body. And what the breath is doing is it's helping break apart that memory because it's activating our amygdala, which is the house of all of our memory and emotion. And so when we activate our amygdala, we have uh, visions and memories and things that come up mm. that we can process. We can't get there through our logical structured mind. Like I can't think to myself, okay, what was that thing that happened when I was six years old? And what did my brother say to me that created that micro trauma? But when I'm breathing and I'm not so identified with reality and I'm activating that limbic system in my brain, it just shows me. Mm-hmm. It just shows me. You know, I think for anyone who's done plant medicine and not breath work, it's a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and the reason why I love 
breath. I, I think I think there's a time and place for ayahuasca, and I've done it multiple times and mushrooms and all that kind of stuff. I think those tools are really useful. But what tends to happen is we have those highs, and then we're trying to get back to that high, or we're trying to integrate all the stuff that we was downloaded. Like I did an ayahuasca ceremony two years ago, and I'm still trying to figure out what the heck, like mm. how to integrate it into this human life, you mm -hmm. know? Whereas with breath work, everything is so clear. There's a clarity to it. There's a pristine energy to it. Like mm -hmm. the, it's almost like the transmission is just like so clear of like, oh, boom, you know, let me call my business partner and have that clearing conversation. Oh, that didn't sit well. Let me, let me have a conversation. It's, it, it makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas like flying aliens and an ayahuasca ceremony, I'm not quite sure how to integrate that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it also is true in the sense of like, um, cause it's funny. I was doing breath work when I came back from that trip, I joined Toastmasters and do you know Christian cool. Minson? No, he's a, he taught breathwork at Rhythmia. He was a monk for oh, nine I, years. Oh, actually, yes, yes, I, feel like, yeah. I do. I he do. He learned do. under Judith Kravitz. Yes. Um, so I would go like, of course, I chose him to be my mentor in Toastmasters, and I didn't know he was a monk then. And then every Monday night, he would do these breaths, and I would go and just blast off. I was like getting high as a kite, and then I had never done psychedelics or plant medicine. Yeah. I did this probably for a year. Must have gone thirty breath journeys before I did, you know, plant medicine work. But I think. What is important too, as plant medicine is starting to come into the purview of you know mainstream, mm. um, is that not going to chase those highs from a extra exogenous substance yes. where it's like the breath is within and mm. we can access that at all times. Mm -hmm. You know whether you can move your arms or not move your arms. Like the one thing we all have in common is breath. Absolutely. If does, we're alive. Does he live here? Um, Christian, I don't know. I, we haven't connected in a while. Oh. But yeah, I, I spent a lot of time with him from like eighteen to twenty. That's so cool. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because I don't know what drew me to him. Like, he's a great speaker, but I would just like, you. And it just, like, didn't make sense. And, of course, I find out, like, <laughs> yeah. he was a monk. And I'm like, uh, you know, like I'm similar to you. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> no one ever told me my mind was broken, but I definitely had a race in all the time. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I would love to hear if you're open to it. Mm. Do you remember or recall a breath session you had where maybe it was like you just had a complete, you processed something that was extremely emotional or it was like a transformative experience mm. for you. Yeah, I had a really, really um, hard breakup when I was um, living in London. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I called him Jake in the book, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read that. I was like, oh, this is funny. <laughs> His name's not Jake. <laughs> uh -huh. I figured you would use a different name for it. It's Luke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had a really intense breakup. Um, someone who I thought I was going to marry, like head over heels in love hmm. with him. And then, yeah, he got into drugs and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so we broke up. But I never processed it. I just stored it in my body. Hmm. And so I remember being in Vancouver and going through a breath session. And in one session, I remember processing all of this grief, all of this sadness of our breakup. And it was so cathartic. And from that moment on, it didn't, like there's no pain there anymore. But I was carrying pain for years from that, like three years probably. Mm -hmm. And you know, every single time I saw like a photo of him or whatever, my whole body would just like, mm. you know, and then I, I just brought it into the breath space and released it and like, l like let him go properly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's so cool how we can do that without the sort of like interference of the other person, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't talk anymore. So mm -hmm. I, we can't have a clearing conversation. Yeah. And I think this is also really powerful for people who've had 
people uh, in their life who've passed away suddenly or whatever, and you like didn't get to say the thing that you wanted to say, or you didn't get to express the thing that you wanted to express. When we t- when we go into a breath session with those intentions, we can do some really amazing work, really amazing work. Like before, I try and figure out any problem in my life, I always breathe with it first. So let's see something that's come up recently. I'm going through like a lot of changes with my team right mm-hmm. now. We're growing a lot and our culture is yeah, 36. Ch- yeah, that's <laughs> bigger than what I remember we had last talked. Our culture is changing a lot. Because so, I remember you showed me and Taylor like back when I was working with Taylor. Yeah, you're like, I think it was like 12 people or something. Probably. You had like a pretty small. Yeah. This was like maybe two years ago or something. Yeah, when we were at Taylor's house over. Yep. I think that was even less than two maybe, years ago. It was ago. probably like a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Or maybe just over a year ago. Yeah. 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 It, so it's grown a lot. And so our culture has grown a lot. Or our culture has changed a lot because we were a scrappy startup with no systems and procedures. No one had really responsibilities. We were just kind of like, everyone Classic. just do what you do. you know. <laughs> and now it's very different. Like we have um, structure and accountability and more responsibility and all that kind of stuff. So some people just aren't down for that, mm-hmm. which I understand. Like mm-hmm. you, you just, you like what you like, right? Um, but I know for us to be the, you know, really take over the breathwork industry, we got to, we got to have some systems. Gotta and dot so, your eyes and cross your T's. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, it's been really like hard on me of like, you know, who, who I see really going to this next level. And so it's been something that I've been breathing with, you know, and I'll, I'll just get, I'll just get drops of information like, oh, this person's a really amazing person, but they're not going to be on the bus at the next level, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, like, it's, it's, it takes the heartbreak away and it takes the pain away. Cause I know that what comes through is just truth. Mm-hmm. And whether that's like, maybe you're in a relationship right now that you don't know if it's the person that you should be with, you know? And it's interesting because when we go into these deep spaces, you get the truth. So some people resist it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. People don't want to admit. It's the truth can be, you say this in your book too. It's like the truth can be scary mm-hmm. and it can hurt temperate. Like Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. But I think it, it comes down to like, at, life's gonna hurt either way like there's pain which whatever way you go yeah but it's like do you want to like suffer and hold on to it and like push it down mm. or do you want to like feel the feels and let that transmute to open up the space for maybe what you don't know is next but it's like choosing suffering that's familiar or just like head on embracing it and then saying okay whatever's next i'm open to that yeah it's like that difference between pain and suffering Mm-hmm. Do you want to be in the pain of it and just allow it to be a teacher? Or do you want to distract yourself and create stories and label it and turn it into suffering and suppress it? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And so <laughs> you have, so you're doing both pause and hungry for happiness. Mm-hmm. I know you've trained, that's insane. You've helped over 23,000. It's probably like even more than that with emotional mm-hmm. eating. Yeah. Now you've, how many people are now like um, officially facilitators under the pause method? Under the pause, so we've been going for two years. We have 150 in our current class. We had 60 in our beta, and we have 200 in the next class. Wow. Yeah. And so also, like, I know you've studied under Tony Robbins. Like, mm-hmm. you, you've done, you study under Philip McKernan, which the story in the book is hilarious. If anyone doesn't know, Philip McKernan is this gnarly Irish dude. I want to work with him because I'm scared to work with him. Dude, you know what's so funny about you saying that? I have been avoiding him this for the past <laughs> three months. Like, I, I keep, like... 
I'm like, I want to work with you. And then he gets back to me. I'm like, I'm scared. Because he <laughs> Cause calls you on your shit. Yes. Like it's nobody's business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love what you share in the book. And that, that hurts. Again, it comes mm -hmm. back to this pain. The truth hurts, but it mm -hmm. allows us an opportunity to grow and evolve. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's we great. We can go back to Phil in a minute. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, you've really done a lot in the personal growth transformation mm -hmm. space. If you had to like boil it down, mm -hmm. like what actually makes someone change and transform? Because it's one thing to know mm -hmm. that you're like, some people are actually aware that they're not okay, but they mm -hmm. don't know how to get from where mm -hmm. they are to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. What have you learned that actually works? So there's personal development and then there's spiritual development. And in my, I just kind of created this frame to make it easy for people, but personal development would be more mindset work, uh, like the doingness of it. Mm -hmm. Spiritual development is the embodied experience, really being in the body, healing through some of our traumas, the somatic experiencing mm -hmm. of personal development, uh, spiritual development. Personal development can be very like, okay, let's go, let's let's make this happen, rah, 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 come on. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the 10-year-old, right? So I went to mm -hmm. seminars all the time and that's what it is. And for people who don't have that somatic experiencing, that spiritual development side of it, they can just do the rah, rah, rah thing and then it kind of like fizzles out because it's not embodied, it's mm -hmm. not in the body. The body has, the body holds memory, the body holds beliefs, the body holds everything. So we can change our mind, but if we don't change our beliefs in our body, then we're gonna go back, our, our body is gonna override our mind. Our body wins every single time. Mm -hmm. That's why self-sabotage happens because yeah. people change their mindset. They don't change the beliefs in the body. The beliefs in the body need congruent, it needs to be congruent. And so if it's not, it's gonna create congruency and that's how self-sabotage happens. So my philosophy and the way that we do things is we start in the body, we change it at a cellular level. We change the body by being in the body mm -hmm. and, and that then shifts the mind. So it's not about changing the mindset. So we don't do a lot of mindset work. It's all body-based transformation and that's what creates the sustainability in it. Wow, mm. that definitely resonates with me. And I think a lot of people start off on their journey of self-growth and whatever in the mind it's very heavy yeah and i think that is important but i the deeper i've gone and i learned this a lot from guy ferdman too it's yeah. like the magic's in the body yeah. and that's what's so amazing about breath totally. so I, I love that hitting both yeah. sides of the coin are really mm -hmm. important mm -hmm. and one question i had for you which we were talking a little bit about about before recording and i'm always like really i really admire this in people because i've struggled with this when i was first starting out and like mm -hmm. building my brand mm -hmm. um like I remember like, oh, I was like scared. To, like not that I was a big drinker, but I was like, oh, spiritual people like don't drink. And I was like, mm. like, dude, why don't you just like live your life? But mm -hmm. you know, you've established this big brand and company and especially in the world of dieting. And mm. yet you share with me, like, and we don't have to go super deep into it, but like- Let's go super deep. Let's do it. Okay, I love how <laughs> you're so open. But like you're, yeah. you're a few days into a carnivore diet mm -hmm. and like you're, one of your big things is like helping people get away from dieting. Mm -hmm. um, and why I have so much respect for you doing this is because it's on the looks of it, that could be like, oh, Sam, who's the church not telling me not to do is on a diet. But like you have a level of truth in your inner knowingness mm -hmm. of like why you're choosing to do that. Mm -hmm. Can you share A, Maybe you can share why you're trying the carnivore just to mm -hmm. explain that. But yeah. then B, more importantly, how do you as a leader and someone who has a public persona like maintain integrity with yourself, but mm. also like with the brand? Because mm -hmm. I see that disconnect a lot and it seems like a lot of people really struggle with that. Totally. So we have to ask yourself the intention behind why we do anything, right? So all of the dieting in my book was the intention was I want to lose weight. I want to look a certain way. I want to be loved because if I'm not, if I don't look this way, then I'm not going to be loved. Mm -hmm. So everything came down to 
I want to lose weight and look a certain way. So the intention was coming from fear. And will I ever do a diet to lose weight? Fuck no. In fact, I told you like one of my fears of doing the carnivore diet is like I don't want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want my body to change. I want to stay the same because I feel really healthy. My my why behind the carnivore diet was for health. Um, I was I recently it's been so strange my brain fog has been really intense and so there's something that i'm eating in my diet that's creating inflammation and is giving me like brain fog and it's not something that i've struggled with like Mm -hmm. eric's mom would ask me a question and i just would like stare back at her i'm like i i don't have the words it was the weirdest experience i'm like i think my brain shut off momentarily and so i did so much research on like what is brain fog why do you get brain fog what's it from and it can be so many things that you're eating in your diet eating like even like little things that are like quote-unquote healthy yeah like spinach kale or some of my supplements that i was taking or stuff like that and Mm so um through like hours and hours and hours of research i decided to try the carnivore diet which is essentially meat and fat that's it Mm -hmm. like nothing else Mm -hmm. and so for for breakfast i'm eating like steak with butter on top and a side (laughs) of bacon like it's the weirdest experience but i know like it's been six days now five days now and i feel amazing and i i feel my mind is clear. Like last night, it was like 10 a.m. And I turned to Eric. I'm like, I have so much energy right now. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get to bed tonight because I'm so energized. Mm-hmm. And so the intention behind my dietary shift was not to lose weight because I, I, I need to feel loved. It was like, I want to optimize my health and understand what's going on with my brain fog, mm-hmm. what's going on with, with the inability to like really think strategically right now. Cause it's been like, I'm like, what's going on? Like my brain is just like, feels mushy. It was yeah. weird. And so, so the, the intention is to take out everything out of my diet other than meat, and fat and and then after the 30 days start to slowly introduce things like nuts and berries and avocados and then go more to like an animal-based diet with Mm -hmm. supplementing with a few little things and then really being intentional about um monitoring my brain and seeing like how that affected it but Mm yeah it's definitely not to lose weight but i'm excited to i I have resistance to share it with my community for sure because i know people are gonna judge me because i'm I'm someone who says, don't ever go on a diet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really want to speak to this piece of like, what's the intention behind why you're doing anything, you know? Like, it's like having a glass or like say eating a piece of cake, right? Am I eating that piece of cake because I want to numb an emotion because I'm emotionally eating? Or am I eating that piece of cake because I just want to celebrate and have fun? And it's actually not to numb an emotion, but it's to enhance an experience. Mm -hmm. Same behavior, different intention. So this is the same thing with the carnivore diet. Like I'm not doing this to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it to increase my health. Yeah, which is why I have so much respect for you mm-hmm. doing that. And like I, I've looked into carnivore. It's not so much the diet, but it's more like your choice to do that in spite of who you are yeah. and the image that you hold. Mm-hmm. And I think in this world of social media we're in, it's so easy both for us to do on ourselves and, and what people judge others is like, oh, mm. you're in this box and how dare you go go outside yeah. that box? And it's like the reality is we're all, we're changing all the, all time. the time. And it's in like what you're sharing too, it's all about attention. But even if it wasn't about intention, like we were talking about our, our mutual friend, Elise, like yeah. she was like a raw vegan turned carnivore and she got so much yeah. backlash from like, she's, she's changed in her body. She's doing that for her body. Like before you attack someone, like, why don't you understand like where they're coming from mm-hmm. and have 
compassion and understanding before we want to just say this person's wrong. They went against their word. You know, I just find that I'm seeing that a lot on social and and it just fascinates me. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. You know, humans are humans are so malleable for good or bad. Mm -hmm. You know, like we have the ability to shift and change so quickly in either direction. Mm -hmm. And and so it's like, of course, we're going to change. And I think that's the most interesting thing with having a personal brand. I did a personal branding workshop about a year ago. And they're like, okay, so what are you all about? And what do you do? And and I'm like, I don't know. It changes literally every single day. (laughs) Like, I'll tell you tomorrow what I'm going to be like tomorrow because I don't know. I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was really interesting for me. And I think I think, you know, I just tell my audience this, like I reserve the right to change my mind. That's one of my favorite things. Like I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I believe, but I'm also going to reserve the right to change my mind because if I understand more and I learn more and I educate myself more, I might have a different opinion. But right now, this is my truth. I reserve the right to change my mind. Yeah, it's I the best. That. It's the best. Yeah. So your book, Hungry for Happiness, is out. Yeah, yeah. When did it release? Like two? Uh, September 29th. So it's pretty much brand spanking new. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes. Awesome. It's on Amazon, guys and gals. It's it's more specifically geared towards women, but men I can read it as well. A lot of men have been reading yeah. it. It's so funny. Yeah, and it's also been really informative for me mm. too. I have two sisters and like, I think men, like I've definitely struggled with some body issues in the past, but I think it's, it is definitely more, I notice it more with women. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting to like, learn more about oh wow like this is actually what women go through like this mm. is what their inner dialogue is so i found yeah. it very fascinating to like learn about yeah, that it's like it's like dating research for you you know exactly You're like- <laughs> exactly that's exactly why i read your book so. <laughs> um so if people want to connect with you or, or learn mm. about breath work and pause mm. like what's the best place people can connect with you uh, samanthaskelly.com has everything, all of my courses, all of my certification programs, um, the book, the podcast, et cetera. And then Samantha, uh, Samantha Skelly on Instagram. I'm super active on Instagram. I like to Sweet. hang out there. Yeah, your Instagram is great. I like to do it's silly like things. It's like these like wisdom nuggets with like this like cut of just raw authenticity. <laughs> you're like, you're not sugarcoating it. You're just like, <laughs> boom, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, Okay, before I ask the final question, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say thank you for uh-huh. being here and for this conversation. Um, ever since I met you, I was like, this chick is just, she's on a trajectory. You have so much fire and like liveliness uh-huh. and it's infectious. So just getting to know you and be friends with you and learn from you is really inspiring uh-huh. for me. Ditto, so, Jake. I'm so, I'm so stoked that now we live so close. We're neighbors now. It's great. <laughs> it's not five minutes, which I thought it was, but it, I think it's about 10. <laughs> close. And so for anyone who's listening to this and they're like, all right, interested in this whole breath work mm. but like i'm feeling resistant what do you tell that person mm. Mm. the greatest journey that we can take is reclaiming who we are remembering who we are more so we came into this world with all of these gifts and all of this like aliveness and through growing up that aliveness and that truth has been dampened and suppressed. And so breathwork helps us remember who we are, like truly who we are. We, 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 we glimpse access to our true nature, who we really are at the core. And that is such a gift. And so if there's resistance, do a minute a day of breathwork. And then if you feel great with that, do two minutes a day of breathwork. Like you don't have to rush into a three-hour breathwork journey and I don't suggest you do that. Start really small and like let it be sacred to you and just keep listening to your body 
And if you want to slow down or stop, just keep listening. But it's the easiest path to remember who you really are. Mic drop. (laughs) Thank you, Sam. I hope you guys enjoy that episode with Sam Skelly. And if you were picking up what she was putting down, make sure to reach out to her. I linked her Instagram and contact information in the show notes. Her book, Hungry for Happiness, is on Amazon. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. One favor and request is if you listen to the show and have been listening to other episodes and you've been finding it valuable and entertaining, it would mean so much to me if you could take just 30 seconds and leave a quick review on iTunes, which is also linked here in the show notes. And it's a way that you can listen to the podcast. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening and have the best rest of your day.